if you all have questions, this is going to take quite a while. <laughs> so I suppose uh, many of you here just to hear other people's questions. <laughs> uh, questions, comments. So, uh, yeah. Let's consider what 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 use we can make of this occasion when there's a little bit more opportunity to you know, have response, you know, what we can make of that. And, uh, so I'm not, so certain things, uh, so if you can ask a question, it'd be, then maybe just spend a moment framing it up a little bit, like what's really the point here, what's the gist of this? So clearly if it's, you know, if you can get your question out in 25 seconds rather than seven minutes it's going to be tidier you know <laughs> so just think it through a little bit in advance um if you can you know think questions like this i don't know how many people here but uh something that could be of wide interest yeah yeah, yeah. so maybe you've got a particular point that you're concerned about but actually this particular point sits within this larger topic might be of more general interest. I don't know if that makes sense to you. There are questions that are about uh, just information, you know, asking for information, questions about clarification of the things that have been said. And uh, then there's a more kind of real subjectively oriented question, like, um, you know, that, that you may uh, find I, I may be able to help you look into yourself and and find your your answer so i'm not here to place an answer but perhaps in our conversation an answer or response suitable response might be elicited that you think yeah all right i'll take that back and reflect upon it so it's not a um it's not a quiz <laughs> it's an inquiry so Bearing that in mind, um, please feel free to speak and uh, any time, you know, if you feel you're losing interest, feel free to just pay your respects and leave. You're not, you know, you don't have to stay here through it all. It's not disrespectful to leave when you, you know, when you've had enough, as it were. Same for me, huh? <laughs> In fact, <that's> it. <laughs> The most difficult question is the first one. <laughs> Good afternoon, Tana John. Good afternoon. I'm over here. Where uh, are you? I'm over here. Over here. Hi, John Suchita. Hello there. Um, the we are about to have a general election, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we wonder to what extent uh, do you think that. Uh, the Sangha would uh, promote Buddhist values uh, and what could that mean uh, in the run-up to an election like this? Well, we always promote Buddhist values. It's our way of life. But also we, a uh, particular role of a summoner is to be um, non-aligned 
to to partisan, non-partisan, non-political, non-aligned, and someone who stands at the at the edge, the margin of society, encouraging so that people come to them. This is this is standing the stand of the forest monk anyway. The people come to them; they don't go into. People come to them and seek their advice. So we we don't actually promote. Um, so that's that's our stance. Good afternoon, Tajan Tanajan. Yeah. Um, my question is, how important is it, in your opinion, um, for a layperson of profound sadha and conviction in the teachings of our Lord Buddha to see the Dhamma without a teacher or a Sangha? How important is it to have a teacher in order to see the Dhamma? <clears throat> It's important. I couldn't really put a, uh, uh, an adjective to that, more adjectives, very important, somewhat important, highly important. It's important. Um, you know, the, uh, the voice of another um, is a phrase that's used, and also <coughs> that the four um, requisites for stream entry is uh, um, to to um, hear the Dhamma, to hear the good teachings, to practice in line with the good teachings, um, to practice in accordance or in the company of spiritual friends, Kalyanamitta, and to practice with appropriate or wise or deep attention. So those are the four things, deep attention, Kalyanamitta, good Dhamma, and practice in accordance with Dhamma. Now, when you look at that, where are you going to get the good Dhamma from? Uh, teacher. How you know how to practice in accordance with the good Dhamma? Teacher. I mean, not just the teacher, but the teacher say, yeah, I see what you mean. If I was you, I'd go a little bit quieter that way or more strong this way, give you some perspectives. Uh, the presence of, of Kalyanamita means people whose values you can see being, the values you treasure being, you see being lived out in 3D, in real time. So you kind of pick it up almost by osmosis, the sense, particularly the sense of restraint, moderation, timing, um, uh, where the wise step back and where they move forward where they go strong or where they go spacious. So you begin to almost pick up the tune. So, um, you know, recognize that our basic teaching experience is other humans. That's how you learn to be a human being. You can't learn it from a book. You can only learn abstract things from books, geography, history, so forth. You want to learn uh, human things, you've got to learn it from other, other beings. You model it, explain it, hear you, uh, correct the views you have, uh, encourage. So, so it's, it's important. 
Now, <clears throat> you know, teacher, companion, guide, friend, someone you see once a year, someone you live with, someone you meet with occasionally. It's these are the, the different different dimensions of of human association, and the more that they stack up, then the stronger and firmer one's uh, foundation is in that respect. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to, to uh, you know, have, uh, you know, an enlightened teacher with you 24-7, but it's good to have someone you can check in with from time to time at least. And it's good to have people at least operating in the same wavelength somewhere in connection, you know, that you can talk to, um, move around with, um, associate with. Because if you're not associating with wise people, who are you associating with? <laughs> and so you pick up other messages. Yeah? Thank you, Tanaji. Because we do pick it up. We're human beings. We, we pick up. Good afternoon, Ajahn. Um, I have been practicing some uh, kind of every day, and um, I I do it at home sometime. I um, practice uh, before I go to bed, and sometimes um, I get up early morning. Then um, I'm practicing sometime one hour, two hours. My question is. Um, uh when i when i sit down and do meditations um i focusing on body and mind and um even at work sometimes i um when i'm free and then i'm um uh, have a, a stick and uh, see my body moving my arm, my legs moving, and uh, it's just the body. And um, I um, separate the, the mind just to watch the body moving. And um, sometimes I see something, it's like uh, things, but I, I see my arm moving. But it's not all I know. It's something, it's not the arm, but I realize it's this is the arm, my arm moving, and um, first time I'm uh, I'm shocked, and I said, "Oh, this is what, what is it?" And then um, realize the arm moving, and then I understand it. But um, I went uh, to the um, to the back of the temple when we uh, do for a uh, uh, walking uh, retreat, and. Um, I tell myself, the mind is not included with the body, it's separate. And uh, when I'm moving and walking, I see um, my leg is moving. And uh, I walk quite a while and I feel uh, pain on my legs and then I tell myself, don't get your heart, uh, your mind attached into the body. And uh, after then, I didn't feel pain on my legs. But um, 
and then the mind keep jumping in something else. So I would like to to ask, um, how can I uh, holding for a bit longer? Because the mind, I know the mind is jumping all about. But how how can to? If you don't want the mind to jump to around, you have to get to settle down. Uh-huh. The place for the mind to settle down is in the body. So uh, if you if you're witnessing your body, you're not in it. You're looking from the outside. If you feel your body is moving around independently of your mind, you're not in it. You're separate. Something in your mind is separating from your body. If you have an idea that you shouldn't attach to your body, the likelihood is you're separating. And you shouldn't separate. You should integrate into... What you're missing is feeling, Vedana. You see, so the witnessing doesn't have feeling in it. And you need to feel the experience of the body from the inside and also feel the mental states. So I think I don't hear you talking about feeling, Vedana. Feeling is very important. If we don't, feeling is where everything connects. Everything connects around feeling. Mental feeling, physical feeling. That's the, that's the place where the body and the mind begin to find themselves in harmony and the body calms the mind, the mind calms the body, the feeling begins to become happy. If it's happy, everything settles. If it's not happy, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Hi, John? Right. Hello, okay. sorry, there's t- two yeah. microphones. <laughs> um, my question is, before we meditate, we may have some conceptual understanding of what kind of we're trying to do. And then when we meditate, we might have an insight, more direct knowledge. And then when the bell rings, sometimes that the insight might dissipate. And then the kind of the knowledge that we had while we were meditating may be gone. And we might have a memory of the insight. And, a con- and we have the conceptual knowledge that we had before. And then when we try to return to it in meditation, I think, well, I kind of get caught at grasping for, for that experience again. Um, sometimes the deeper the experience, the more I grasp for it, so therefore the further it moves away. Is there any way of kind of not falling into that trap and, and maybe trying to build on the experience? You have a thought, a concept, yeah, and then you meditate and then you try to have this, the concept again? Yeah, so, so sometimes, like, insight of what I've been, like, I, I, I might have the, the a very, an experience of, say, non-permanence or something in meditation. And it, it, it kind of seems after it's gone. And I, I feel like I want to experience that mm-hmm. again. And I, and I can't, <laughs> sort of thing, yeah. Right. The, the, yeah, there's no such thing as again. <laughs> it just seems like it but it's, it's, there's no such thing as again was, the real thing is never again it's always fresh and I think it's uh, perhaps important to uh, develop trust yeah, right, just let it, let it go and if it's the real thing it will arise yeah because the real thing is not the concept, the concept's a flag. You know, the, the thought is a flag. 
oh, that's something, yeah, that was good. And just let it dissolve. If it's authentic, the process will once again present uh, a useful flag. It comes out of the process. You can't have it before the process. It comes out of the process. Otherwise, you mustn't lead it. Like, be innocent every time. Uh, trust it. Trusting is is very help. Is a great practice because to to you know to let go of certainty and a nice clear idea. That's there's something doesn't want to do that. Yeah, we feel oh yes that's nice and steady. Now trust it. Just relax because if it's dumber, it's bigger than you. It wasn't your thought anyway. <laughs> it was a thought that came to you. Yeah. So whatever brought it there, it knows where to go. It can bring you another one. Uh, and it might even be better. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, I would, you, you are talking very... I, I appreciate you talking again and again about embodiment. And there's one more general question about that. So what I understand also from the way you are teaching is that there are basically two ways to connect with the physical experience in the body. And one one is like more absorption where we go to the breath, to the sensations of the breathing and uh, focus on that and then it becomes more and more subtle and spacious from from there. And the other one is not so much talked about but it's more the sense of, I guess it's something like in, in Tai Chi or where it's more um, mm. the spacious mm. awareness the body in space the uh, 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 sensations of body and space, actually it's also then easily emotions with it, because as if the space is connecting us also to the emotional body. Emotion. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder whether you could say something about how these two approaches, are they separate for you or are they, how can we bring them together? Hmm. Well, you know, I suppose just to um, was working through language and the uh, what language does. So, I'll just bear in mind the body is not the body. Breathing is not the breathing. When we talk about the direct experience of body, there are really two two bases. That one is body touches something that's the tactile it knows something outside itself the other experience is it knows itself right so how does your body know itself it feels pressures warmth tension relaxation it feels localization suddenly up here down here it feels you know it knows itself internally so so that, what we call, might call internal, the body's knowledge of itself, awareness of itself is what is the general territory. 
And when we tune to that, then breathing, the way the body knows it, again has a tactile experience, which is quite subtle, which is just the sense of the breath touching perhaps the nostrils. But it also has an internal experience, which is the sense of vitality streaming through the body, streaming through itself. It feels the presence of something that is streaming through. The quality of, uh, so with generally speaking, the in-breathing is a streaming of brightening energy, and the out-breathing is a streaming of softening and calming. So in that, in the inner body, there's no hair and teeth, there's no fingers and knees, it's just that quality of the body's um, experience of its presence. Uh, so then of course the body doesn't use words, but it, use, it, it feels pressure, vitality, warmth, what are called the elements, you know, solidity, uh, movement, uh, um, heat, uh, uh, pressure and space, and cohesion. So experiences those qualities, and they're flowing. So when you experience breathing internally, you experience something that exerts a certain soft, soft pressure as it swells, and a certain warming effect, or vitalizing effect, energy effect, and a certain suffusing effect. Yeah. So and that experience is, can be going on. So then you're breathing as the Buddha himself says the air the breathe the wind element passing through the limbs so clearly it's not air this stuff it's a vitality running through the entire form so we tune to them because for many people that that we're so locked in to the experience of the body being the thing we see with our eyes yeah. so we think that's the body no no that's that's the visual body <laughs> Yeah. I can look in a mirror, I see a visual body. I don't see the body's body, I see the eye's body. <laughs> yeah, and I see all the kind of whatever notions I may have about it, being ugly or beautiful, old or young or whatever. You know? So well, that's, not, that's not a body, that's a visual map, that's a visual presentation. We're very much stuck with that. And that yeah. So you know, even when you, you kind of even... So often we lose that the awareness of the body as a as a vitality experience yeah. as the inner quality of the body is often lost for people or it's numb basically because when you don't haven't had sense restraint your attention has gone out there and it doesn't know there's an in here even though we you know, I know but it doesn't really know how to go there so when you go in here like most people are just zonk. Or zzzz. Because <laughs> it, it, it's like the, the sensitivity isn't there. So therefore it's quite useful to do moving. Because in moving, you know, you can sense how the body knows how to move. You see, you walk, how your body knows how to walk. So moving is one of the most helpful ways to begin to awaken bodily intelligence. So you feel it. And then you can begin to sense it more clearly. And then as you get a deeper sense of it, you can recognize how that, that quality 
what I'm calling the inner body or somatic presence, is also connected to psychological and emotional uh, effects. Feel frightened, tenses up. Feel happy, become spacious. Feel excited, gets agitated. Feel, you know, so that, those are the obvious ones. Uh, and so you begin to sense that. And what you're looking for is, well, I want to feel comfortable and spacious. And something in us knows that. Yeah. So then you begin to recognize these, the, the, uh, the uh, emotional, psychological, mental effects, and even karmic effects um, that, people, that we experience. So many people are very driven up into their heads. So you don't even realize what's going on underneath this. And the long-term effects. Um, um, restrictions, constrictions, uh, shame, uh, defensiveness around the chest or fear of the body image. So there's a certain shaming effect on the body because it, it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like or, or it's been bullied or bashed around. So the people have got a lot of that constriction there. So then you can, you know, then you begin to see how you, those things, okay, now how does breathing affect that? Why is breathing in and out um, mainstream? And yet many people find it difficult because uh, the inner body is quite constricted. And so, and then the mind doesn't find it comfortable. If you're trying to focus on a point that you knows that's not comfortable for the mind, it's too, it's too narrow for most people. And so this quality of a easy, spacious breathing in and out is, is very um, desirable. Uh, but it takes a bit of work to get the body to loosen up enough, to feel safe enough, spacious enough, at ease enough, relaxed enough, to allow that. And then you're coming into that. So there are certain uh, movements, moving, um, gives us a feeling of freedom, uh, gives us a feeling of groundedness, gets us in touch with the cohesive uh, qualities of the body. And also you begin to recognize more and more how the body knows what it's doing, you don't have to know. You try to figure out how to walk, you couldn't do it. You know, the, the, the subtle shapes of pressure, balance, muscles. The body knows exactly how to do it. After a couple of years, of course, of <laughs> falling over. Yeah. So then uh, maybe this could be just really involuntary. I wouldn't have to be doing meditating. You know, I could just focus on feeling comfortable and in the body and let the body do it. And then I can look, use the mind to just, uh-huh for understanding rather than controlling. So there's a deep benefit in that. And, uh, so I've talked around that a lot, but, um, you know, because it's holistic. You, you know, whichever way you start from, where you start with movement, you start with experiencing space around you, you start with the elements and see gradually how you can come into what lines all those up in the end is the breathing. That's the, that's the central channel. But again, for many people, they can't get that. Can't really get it because it's, there's so much constriction and, and uh, uh, difficulty in finding that in a comfortable way. Yeah. 
So, so either way you start, you eventually you want to get it come back to this basically the kaya sankara, it's called, which is the bodily energy or the bodily dynamic, the bodily formation. And the Buddha says the kaya sankara is breathing in and breathing out. That's what it is. So it's, we might say it's a certain inner vitality. It's the, 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 um, the intelligence that gets the body to do the breathing. And that, there's the shift, you see, because, you know, we're very much, every, you know, every time we come to the body, we still think of it as basically meat, an object. Yeah. So then you've got to get it going. And so always approaching from that angle. When you see it as a subject, like a, a creature that knows exactly what it's doing, <laughs> You know, it, but it may be a confused creature. Then it knows how to breathe. And, you know, what is it that knows breathing in? That's enough. And breathing out. That's completed. Something is something is with that. You know, but of course it's not because it's not a thought. We don't think it's intelligent. It's profoundly intelligent. You know, imagine it's left up to us to do the breathing. We'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> you know, because you're thinking, oh, 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 forgot to breathe. Oh my goodness. I was busy, you know, watching, thinking about something else. But fortunately, the body said, "Don't let this idiot do it." Or do it. that helpful? I mean, I, I kind of talked around it a lot, but... <laughs> Thank you, okay. I ask my question now. Uh, does uh, life objectively has a meaning or purpose? Uh, if yes, uh, then uh, what is it? I'm asking this uh, because it is said that uh, Buddhism is the middle way between eternalism and uh, nihilism. Uh, but uh, the more I have studied uh, Buddhism, the more uh, nihilistic uh, I have become. Uh, currently, I take uh, my uh, life as a game that has no reward or price to offer, but only the lust of a play. Uh, and why should I uh, try to achieve uh, anything if everything is impermanent? And uh, why should I follow the way of uh, Bodhisattva if... Uh, uh, suffering in this world is uh, inevitable. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when you're talking about life, life, you're talking about something that's, uh, um, it, it wasn't an idea. It's not an idea. So you, you don't get an answer in terms of idea, meaning. Uh, life is an experience of sentiency, sentiency. And sentiency involves things called feeling, feeling, uh, emotion, uh, energy. So those, the, their meaning is uh, happiness, fulfillment is their meaning. Completion is their meaning. Peace is their meaning. Um, that's what they mean. That's what they seek. 
stop suffering, in other words. Uh, that's what they mean. So as for your, yourself, um, you really, I suggest you inquire not so much in terms of principles or reasons, but in terms of, are you happy? Are you happy enough? Is something missing in your life? Uh, is there something potential there that could open up that you're not aware of? Uh, do you feel complete and satisfied in yourself? Or are you searching for something, feeling something's missing? If something's missing, find out what's missing and what it would be like to feel completed and fulfilled and satisfied. And then those questions and the answers to them aren't going to come from ideas. They're going to come from sentient, sensitive, felt experiences. That's my suggestion. I think uh, if I um, try to uh, find something that, uh, that would make me uh, complete, uh, then if I find this... Uh, I would still feel that uh, there is something uh, lacking, there is something missing. So my, uh, I currently live under the principle of uh, total uh, acceptance. So whatever, I uh, whatever comes, I, I uh, accept this. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Where did you get that idea from? Uh, I read uh, uh. The Meaning of uh, Happiness by Alan Watts. Yeah, well, if you read it, you read it. And therefore, it went into your brain and became a set of thoughts. Um, and that's part of what you have. But you also have a heart, an emotional body. Uh, we seek, uh, well, hearts tend to seek comfortable relationships, friendship, ease, harmony with others. That's important. And, uh, yeah, those things are important. Um, in the sentiency, life is, is, uh, has many channels to it. You can't fulfill it just through an idea, even good ideas. They may point you to where to go, but you can't fulfill it with an idea. Because it's not an idea. Thank you. Okay. Keep Hello, practice Archie. meditation some more. Come and stay here for a while. We'll sort you out. <laughs> well, well oh, we won't. Ajahn Amaro will. <laughs> Hi, Ajahn. Over here. It's over here. Thank okay. you. Uh, just now you mentioned about walking meditation, um, and you're explaining it. And um, I'm quite new to walking meditation because I thought that you just focus on the body and the feel of the ground, to feel grounded, really. But um, if I have interpreted you, you wrongly, is that ultimately we still have to focus back to your breath? Is it so? No, not necessarily. Well, you know, your breath can be happening all the time. But yeah. um, uh, uh, yeah, breathing acts as the, the leader of body energy. So anytime you're feeling the vitality of your body, then breathing will be there. But it won't necessarily be the most prominent experience. It'll just be the sense of 
uh, feeling uh, vigor or uh, ease. Uh, so you're looking towards something where you get a, a pleasant energy. Because mm -hmm. then that will support your breathing practice when you do sit down. Because all the time you're working on, on taking out the jaggedness of energy, where it jumps, mm -hmm. or the sluggishness. So walking helps to level energy. It becomes more level and steady. You walk it through. And, uh, because then the whole body is participating in something almost like massaging its energy when you walk. So if we remember the, um, the internal body is uh, the crucial one because that's the one that connects to, connects to the mind. Right? That's the one that connects to what we call mind, the immaterial. Mind, of course, can mean a number of things, but the immaterial, chitta, subjectivity. So um, my encouragement in walking is to be aware of the whole experience of a body walking. And naturally, you're going to start off with just the, how it gets walking, the movement in your hips. Walking begins not in your feet, but in your hips. If they don't move, nothing works. <laughs> so it begins in your back and hips. So that sense of the legs being moved and that moving through the air and then the feet landing on the ground. So that kind of, you get into the rhythmic quality of it. And as you begin to get that focus, then that sense of the rhythmic quality of the breathing, uh, the walking, and then you begin to, is any, everything should be part of that. So, for example, though you're not walking with your arms, if your body's rigid, then that's going to um, restrict the fluidity of it. So generally what's going to happen is your, your body starts to loosen up in your chest and arms and there's a slight swing, just like you're strolling. You know? So when you relax, uh, the point of relaxation is not to be slack or casual, but to be thorough. Um, so the relaxed body in that state is not dull or sleepy. It means it's all completely participating because if it's not relaxed, it means something is is not participating, something is held back. So can you walk, when you walk, can you feel it in your neck, your hands, your arms, and the awareness even of the body moving through space, so the sensations of the air brushing your skin. So all of that, you can walk with that. And uh, uh, So that gives the um, your attention somewhere to, to settle, because one of the common problems of walking meditation, people feel they can't concentrate, basically because the eyes take, you know, you're looking around, or you're looking, or you've got this idea, walking is get to a point, and then turn around and walk back again. Well, you've done that three times, you're bored, because <laughs> there's nothing in it. But if it's not about the eyes, because the eyes don't walk, it's about the body walking and staying within that as you walk along. So it's almost like a dance or swimming. So when the whole swimming is a very good way of considering it, then when the whole body is doing it, then there's a lovely, fluid, um, comfortable experience that comes out of that that your mind readily settles into because the mind easily settles into comfort. Yeah. So you have to make a comfortable place. It's like, attention is like a bird. And so you want 
if you create a proper nest, the bird will sit in the nest. If you're trying to get the bird to sit on the end of a pinhead, it's not going to do it. <laughs> but if you give it a nest to sit in with feathers in it, it's going to want to sit in that. So, you know, oh yeah, why, why not go in here? So you have to prepare the ground. So if your mind isn't able to settle down, it's not because your mind is particularly naughty. <laughs> no, it is. It gets naughty because it's got nowhere to sit. So in terms of the walking meditation is to come, come the body first and then slowly be aware of the movement in your body and then it become more subtle. Is that possible? Get, or you need to feel the subtleness of your breath, like how you no, do no, don't sitting start with meditation? The don't start, I wouldn't start with the breath. Start with the body. And uh, just almost step back and ask yourself, how does the body know it's walking? What are the indications of that? So a very broad question. As if you just want to let something go and be with it as it moves along and try to track not just particular local places but the whole thing as it moves as a unit. Thank you. Can I have a second question? Um, I just wonder, we are all lay people and we get into relationship and all relationship obviously have attachment. How do we maintain a healthy relationship, whether with my, our parents or our spouse or our kids, without having that um, great attachment because obviously attachment can come with a lot of suffering and demand and expectation. And that is my last question. Thank you, Ajahn. Well, just suffer a lot. <laughs> Till you get it right. <laughs> Try suffer trying to make the other person the way they should be. Suffer a bit trying to make yourself the way you should be. Start relaxing that and see if you still have what it takes to be together. You know, when, you know, it's there are certain um, benefits in relationship. I mean, it's a good idea. <laughs> you know, a bit of backup, a bit of support, companionship. Uh, someone to give you advice, uh, someone to look after you when you're ill, someone to share time with. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> so, if it's worthwhile, you know, it's got some good qualities in it, then it's a matter of recognizing, you know, well, uh, perhaps, you know, this is a place also where you have to have like two pebbles in a stream, knocking each other's rough edges off. And it might not be very happy all the time. It won't be, you know, I shouldn't think it'd be happy all the time. But nobody's happy all the time. <laughs> so uh, then how to um, have a kind of sense of an understanding and a purpose in that relationship, which is beyond just feeling happy. Yeah, I mean, when I'm feeling miserable, but also I want, I want to find truth. I want to find the truth about myself, and I want you to be straight, and I want to be able to be straight with you, therefore then it's going to work. And we will feel happy more of the time. 
But if you get the other way around, feel happy first, and then be truthful later. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, you've got to uh, work on truthfulness and acceptance. Then you find uh, the things you learn about yourself. I mean, you know, you say lay people in relationship. We're all in relationship, you know. Uh, I got married to about 50 people. <laughs> and uh, then suddenly they divorce and they go off somewhere else and, and so forth. And so, yeah, we're all in relationship. Degrees of, of kinship, friendship, um, disagreement. Um, and yet the Buddha set it up that we would, there will be that relationship with individuals, with communities, between the summoners and the lay people. Relationship is the heart of it. On this, uh, on this human level, relationship is the heart of it. Um, because there's so much you can't learn on your own. Uh, and so we, we need to have that sense of, well, the first thing is shared values. Um, yeah, these are the things we will stand for. And a contract whereby, you know, I want you to tell me, and I want to be able to tell you at the right time, the right place, so that we can learn and, and help each other to grow. Um, and then that, that's, that's great. That, that's the contract. And, uh, yeah, you know. Um, and generally it means you've got to work from, not from a principle, but really from heart. So the qualities of goodwill and tolerance and non-aversion and spaciousness and appreciation and equanimity through the rough patches you know this is this is the big this is the field work of it is is in relationship with other humans yeah. <clears throat> um I have a question too um um in terms of... Uh, I hear you. Where are you? Where uh, here, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Behind a pillar. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, what you have talked a few days ago and also what uh, Lumpur Sumedho says about uh, this is like this, uh, this is just noticing it, the awareness, uh, not doing anything or stop the, the doing and surrender. Um, what is then a complacency and right action, especially for layperson? Um, because um, it might get that you just say, well, this is it, this is coming, and it's Anicca Dukkanata, and I'm just going to wait till it ceases, and I don't have to do anything at all. But what is then complacency, how you can see that you become complacent because you're basically not doing anything? Thank you, yeah. It's a good question for clarification because um, there's a certain uh, domain where it's just this is the way it is, it's like this, and there's a certain domain where it's that's not acceptable, <laughs> that's not appropriate. There are definitely rights and wrongs. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> to look at it another way, uh, we are, are encouraged and uh, rightly so, to make the effort and to seek and to instigate and to make the effort to establish certain transpersonal qualities. Yeah, Transpersonal qualities such as mindfulness, such as uh, conscience and concern, 
such as goodwill, um, such as uh, patience. You know. So essentially, a transpersonal it means it's not coming from my personality. These are these are values, these are experiences every human being can relate to or should be able to relate to. So, and they they stand beyond me, my personal life. Yeah? Uh, you know, they're not just coming out of my particular idiosyncrasies or culture. They're transpersonal. So then that's the encouragement. Though when you when those transpersonal factors are established, properly established, then it's it's meaningful for the person to begin to not make the choices, let those qualities decide. Yeah. So there's a there there's, yeah. So they the person in a way says, well, it's how it is, you know, it's like this. But then there's a quality of mindfulness is present, or energy is present, or conscience of concern is present, or equanimity is present. So it's not it's not just the casualness to it. It's to achieve that. It's rather like, you know, someone who uh, is a skilled uh, craftsperson or a gymnast or a. For them, it's just well, it's just like this. You just do this. But it took twenty years to be able to do just like this, <laughs> you know, where it became the hands did it, you know, the body did it, uh, and it took a while for that to happen. Uh, yeah, and so for most of us, you know, there is always that, in my opinion, always that need to keep checking in with those transpersonal factors, which become more sustained over time. They become more second nature. Uh, but in you know, so we do things like formal practice, uh, resolutions, commitments, formal retreats, just to just to brighten up those qualities. So at this time, we're not saying making personal choices. We're saying 7.30 here, the talk this time, you know. It's not just how it is, is how it is. There's definitely a time because we're here to, to brighten up those qualities so that they become stronger in us for when our life doesn't have this supportive form. Uh, and then those, those, those are the qualities that begin to enter this other transpersonal domain, which then guides the person. Ajahn, uh, if I could. Uh, earlier on you mentioned about the, um, the body being left alone to do its own thing, so breathing, if you had to think about breathing, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Um, that reminded me of something that happened a number of years back on a retreat. Um, it was the end of the retreat, and I was just looking at, my, looking at myself, brushing my teeth, and then all of a sudden I was no one there brushing his teeth. There were no mm. teeth. There wasn't any time in which teeth were being brushed, um, yet teeth were still being brushed. Um, after that brief, however long that lasted, <laughs> um, it kind of dawned on me two things. Um, I'm definitely not the body, but there's also no one making any decisions because you think you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> You think you're deciding to change the direction of the toothbrush and move it up and down, left and right. But in that moment, I made no such decision. There was no, no thought going on whatsoever. It kind of reminded me a bit about what you said just now about breathing. 
So we kind of think, I'm deciding to pick up this cup is different to my breathing is happening. You just know that breathing is happening. You don't have to think about it. And so the point is, it doesn't appear as though there are any decisions ever being made by anyone. Yet we all think we're making decisions all the time. Choices are being made by this person. I'm going to decide to do this tomorrow. Uh, I wish I'd done that later. You know, all these things, are they just happening? Or is there really anyone actually making any decision? Well, the mind is making the decision. <clears throat> For the nature of mind, mano, mano, mano vijnana, mind consciousness, is that uh, it's a very intimate consciousness, unlike visual consciousness, which is quite abstract. Mind consciousness is very intimate. Everything that occurs in mind consciousness seems to be me. It seems to be me. that I, I, I can't sense a person separate from it. So everything seems to be me um, because of the intimacy of it and the fact that you can't find somebody stepping outside it. Whereas with my eyes, I can, oh, that's there, therefore I'm here. Yeah, that's out there, I'm here. That, that can happen. Uh, but with the mind consciousness, you can't, you can't ordinarily do that. You know, it's just everything is, well, nobody's separate from it. Um, and yet, uh, conceptually, uh, you can have these, uh, the, the um, uh, state is that one imagines there's somebody separate from it. The mind generates somebody separate from it to act as a kind of stable presence <laughs> to, to steer it all. There's all these realms of thoughts and feelings and yada, yada, yada. Well, well, I better create somebody to act as the as the guide in all this so we that that sent, separate self gets created by the mind to act as the adjudicator over the mental phenomena now at a certain point practice where the mind is in harmony and relaxed you don't need an adjudicator anymore <laughs> so it stops doing it <laughs> because it's in harmony it's okay it's not it, it's 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 restrained it's comfortable so that's one way in which that sense of self disappears. The other way it disappears, which is less pleasant, is when the mental content gets so incandescent that it blows the adjudicator out of the water. <laughs> and you get these, you know, these kind of people go berserk or psychotic. So the adjudicator or the governor in the mind is then not generated because the mind is totally obsessed with something. Uh, so, so uh, they, you know, um, uh, you know, there's different ways to experience non-self. Two kinds of people who experience not-self are psychotics and arahants. <laughs> and you've got to make sure it's the right one you're going for. So generally, if it's states of, of calm and ease, that's that's towards arahant. <laughs> or moving that way. And yeah, so it can be just the case that, to, so remember the sense of self is actually a secondary reality. You know, it's generated by the mind. So it's always, because it, for most people that's such a normal thing, we, we assume 
that it's really there. And so when it disappears, you go, what happened? Well, no, you just got normal for a moment. <laughs> you know, the, the, obviously the temperature or the domain of the mind was comfortable enough, peaceful enough, easeful enough, reassured enough to not need to generate that, that sense of self. And so you notice, particularly when you uh, contemplate what the sense of self is about, when it can be, um, when the mind is unhappy, the sense of self can be very tight, very defensive, very self-conscious, very uh, clunky, very frightened, uh, very insistent, very bullying. And so the, the heightening of the sense of self is by and large, um, I would say as a broad brush statement, is associated with increasing dysfunction in the mind. <laughs> you know, so as the management so the more dysfunction it gets, the stronger the sense of self becomes. And to the point when the sense of self is saying, well how can I stop being dysfunctional? I've got to try and sort all this out. Well, you're the problem, not the answer. <laughs> so that's why we use transpersonal factors. You know not me, but something that I can just finally let go into. So let this, the mind find its true balance, try its true norm, find its true harmony, then that isn't necessary. There can be still those me mediating phrases like, wait a minute, stop, pause, but they're not state, not reified into this kind of abstract entity. They're just momentary signals saying, no, slow down or be aware of that or change that, you know. They're not this constant presence, nagging or muttering or fearful or pressurized. Thank you. John, uh, I have this uh, question here um, about eye-making and mind-making and the underlying tendency to conceit, you know. So this conceit... Uh, thinking that I'm better than someone, or I'm equal, or I'm lower than someone. How can Saying I... The what? Could you say the last few phrases again? Uh, that I'm better than someone, oh, right, right, equal, right. or lower mm -hmm. than someone. Mm -hmm. So, I think this is for myself and for many people. I think that's something, if, we, if I can practice, uh, it, it is quite helpful. And if you can give some advice how to practice this in the day-to-day -day life, Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, what we call citta encompasses both the intellect, the emotion, and the very sense of uh, awareness uh, here. So when we're comparing me with you, what are we comparing? What, why is that happening? Um, it's not an intellectual problem, it's an emotional one. Intellectually, it's not a problem. Who's taller than, who's taller than somebody else? Easy, get a tape measure out, find out. Uh, but we're not referring to that. We're, it's an emotional question. I am feeling uncertain. I am feeling frightened. I am feeling. Uh, the need to dominate, I'm feeling need to assert myself, I'm feeling, you know, there's an emotional issue there. That's why these uh, uh, 
conceit, although it can manifest in verbal terms, is essentially an emotional problem, heart problem. So the why to resolve conceit, uh, encouragement is not to try to not be conceited, but to develop goodwill uh, towards yourself and towards others, uh, compassion towards yourself and towards others, uh, gladness towards yourself and towards others, uh, and then there's no differentiation. Yeah. The, the quality of goodwill can extend towards uh, dogs, beetles, big people, small people, sick people, healthy people, crazy people, loving people. We don't need to say who's, you know, who's better than who because the quality of goodwill doesn't care. <laughs> it's just extending. Right? And even this being, it's not, yeah? It's not like, well, let's get a list of who deserves my goodwill. Okay. <laughs> then I'll give you so much, and you so Well, you don't deserve very much. You weren't so good today, not so much for you. And, well, he doesn't really count. He's got plenty of his own goodwill anyway. He can look after himself. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an accountancy. It's just, there it is, you know. So whatever your mind contacts, whatever your heart contacts in terms of if your own presence appears in that, then may this be well. If another person's presence appears in that, may that be well. May there be no fearing, no resisting, no that agitation, none of that sense of what does he think of me, you know. May that edge of separation between us, may I acknowledge that edge of separation, tension, judgment, fear, and may I resolve that, may I relax that, then... There's no, there's no person, you know, then you don't form as a separate person. Then it's impossible to say you're better, worse, or the same because you don't even form as a person. <laughs> Do you understand? You know, I can see something in my eyes and there's a sense of acceptance of it. So there isn't any analysis of that character. To, to make a, a judgment about. If we experience, if that goodwill comes up against uh, a manifestation of suffering, uh, then it experiences the sense of or something sad or damaged or wrecked or in pain here or you know, compassion. May I want to be with that. Uh, uh, I don't want to dismiss it. I don't want to kick it out. So it's a tender-heartedness. If that experience is um, a being who seems happy or famous, or then you feel oh, glad. Must be lovely to feel like that. You know, that's great. You can feel their happiness, and you 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 vibe with that. So that the qualities of goodwill, and they manifest different qualities, different aspects, tend to they're called upamana, without measure, boundless, no boundary. Um, Extensive. It means the boundary between self and others is being soothed away. When that boundary disappears, then there can't be, <laughs> you're like this, I'm like that, because that requires to be a boundary. So the primary, primary uh, resolution of that is, is uh, uh, as an ongoing practice, is, is goodwill. And then you might begin to, within that, recognize, 
when I think of Jack or Sally or somebody, what's the sign that appears in my mind? It's not the person. A sign appears in my mind. Oh, she's like that. Ah, there's the need for that little bit of something to happen there. Yeah. Oh, there, you know, there's so and so. Appear, I feel guilty. Oh dear, I feel dismissive. I feel, I stereo, I caricature her. That's what my mind is doing. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. <laughs> Just, it's not worthy of you. It doesn't make you beautiful. Bring up and says something that is more doesn't do that, that meets that and relaxes it. And then we're not carrying these people around inside us. And that's the only way you can judge someone, is form an impression of them, carry it in your head and start doing a number on it. <laughs> if you don't do that, then there isn't that problem. That's... That we'll have to say on that really at this time. Do you have time for one more question or not? Yes. Yes, Ajahn, I, w I would like to ask you if you could elaborate on your uh, practice using the elements with the body. Okay. Um, elements. It's like a palette of... Um, different colors so and you know you can blend them and ideally the idea is that they should all blend together so very simply speaking look at it very raw and abstract you have earth element earth element is an impression it's an impression a sanya a perception which is associated with something that resists pressure you push it it doesn't move. <laughs> Resistance. It resists pressure. It's able to hold a form. It's firm, earthy. Anything from the experience of bone to sinew to muscles, there are different qualities of earth. Some is extremely resistant, some is more pliable. So we contemplate the body internally, or we contemplate form externally, we notice there's something earth resists yeah that's the earth element um, fire element heat vitality light something that's radiant could be the sun it could be um, the glow in your skin it could be the rush of happiness um, it's uh, fiery it could be and these cross the mental and the bodily domain so you can have an earthy kind of mentality down to earth pragmatic you know, solid. You could use these use these elements both mentally as well as physically. Fiery person probably gets angry quickly, flares off, but it's also can be quite bright, sharp, intelligent. Um, air element that which exerts pressure, which pushes. So breath pushes, pushes the chest open. Wind, uh, gas in the body, uh, everything that pushes is called the air element. Water. Water is the most difficult one. Water is called the cohesive. It means everything that causes things to dissolve into a unity. That's a phrase, isn't it? Wet, 
but really it means water does not allow separation. Anything you put into water must dissolve into it. So it doesn't differentiate, it's cohesive. It accepts everything. Uh, it's, it's the cohesive element. So in terms of this experience, the body, it can be the sense of the whole body acting as a unity when we're in flow, right? So, you know, we use the language all the time. She's a real fire, fiery person. He's an airhead, you know. <laughs> this is all sort of... Um, uh, that's in flow. We're in flow means that's the water element. We're, we're coherent, we're not ragged, we're not jagged. We're, we're easing along, we're meeting a situation and, and acting in harmony with it. That's water. Space element is the ability to... Uh, uh, the, re the removal of pressure, the absence of pressure, space element. There are lots of them, but those are the five standard ones. Sometimes you'd reduce it to four, but I think the space element is important to recognize um, because that is often for people a deeply needed experience. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the body, that's the space around the body that allows your body to feel free from pressure. And so if you check in with that, sometimes you can feel you are actually slightly tightened up and no just imagine you've got all the space in the world and nobody's on your case nothing to defend yourself against all the room to breathe nobody's bothering you nobody's looking at you and you feel a lot more open and free so access the space element by by sensing what's in front of you is completely open What's above your head is open, what's behind you is completely open and free. Because it is. You always have a little bit of space, so you, you feel that. and Let yourself open into it. Uh, practicing with them, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that <clears throat> the two primary ones to establish is earth and space. They're the opposite ends of the spectrum, but earth gives you the pleasant grounded. So when you sit, you come to earth, you sit, you feel the weight of your body touching the ground, you feel that sense of that pressure, under that resistance underneath you holding up, and oh yeah, I can really let everything go onto that, because that will hold me. That helps you to, to settle, yeah, because most of the time people are up here, you know, jangling, trying to get it working, trying to figure out what to do. First thing to do is get, get the earth. And then, ah, once you get the earth, what will tend to happen is your energy will tend to, oh, right, <sighs> drop <laughs> from being up here. So, you know, earth is, is uh, lost for people uh, because people are generally dealing with virtual realities out there. Tomorrow, uh, the guy in the office, what's on my screen? So we lose here. We go out there and we lose here. So... And it gets very busy. And the encouragement is, get busier and you'll work it out. That's, that's the sucker punch. That's the one that, you know, get even busier quicker and you'll get to the end of it. No, you won't. You'll just, you'll just keep running faster. So, for people, meditation, primary thing is to use the opportunity to switch that off, come down here, and don't even meditate at first. You know, because you generally have an idea of meditation, get my meditation going. 
And no, 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 you just receive the gift of the earth. Uh, come into balance and in space, all the room, all the time. And let your body sit in that. If it does, if you do that, then what will tend to happen, well, me happens, what happens for me, oh, really gets the breathing in and out, starts to really deepen. Yeah. And there's a feeling of being held rather than have to hold it all together. So something in me can relax very deeply. Uh, and all the trajectories and the projections of what I should make and how I should be and what I'm going to do and how my meditation is going to happen today and how long I'm going to do this for and is this and the other I'm a lay person, I'm a monk, I'm a good monk, not good monk, Arahant. So, bleh, you know, it's just come to the given. And that's beautiful that there is this given quality where you don't have to, to make it happen. So you find then there's a settling because by and large I suggest that most people are highly calibrated, over-calibrated to the doingness of life. It's not, there isn't any doing, but they're like, it's way over-balanced. It's way out of balance, doing much too much. And there's no, no sense of something that supports you. You know, all that is gone. <laughs> Support. We live in a society that essentially says, if you work hard enough, you'll get what you, you earn. But that's where the support's, you know, after that the support gets very minimal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So so we we need to um to experience that beauty of the, the given of this what this body has. And then within that oh, breathing brings the fire element, the warmth, the vitality into the system and the flow and the water. And so that's how I practice it. Yeah. Uh, so I generally, you know, say I don't start with uh, breathing. I start with getting a body, getting a grounded body with space around it and see what it does. And it, it does breathe. I've noticed that. <laughs> and it's good. May I ask two questions? Not very big ones. Go ahead. Um, first question is uh, that sometimes when day is very busy and there is a lot of thoughts in mind, it takes a lot of time, long process to calm down. And first, when I sit, sometimes I feel a big tension in uh, neck, in head, mm. and it takes sometimes more than hour or two to relax it and probably there is some preparation for meditation that i can use so it will go easily or quicker <laughs> because uh, sometimes i don't even have enough uh, uh, patience or time to finish it like it's it's not always but sometimes it's really so you get some s tensions in your neck is that correct okay and what do you do about that um, I'm trying to accept it. Accept uh, it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just uh, looking at the experience because it's very good uh, for meditation object because it's real. 
and mm -hmm. it takes my attention because it's unpleasant. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, I'm trying to be friendly to this feeling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just uh, relax and wait till it dissolves because I cannot relax it by my will. Mm -hmm. uh, like mm -hmm. shoulders I can put down, but this tension doesn't mm -hmm. go so easily. Well, that's great. Um, that sounds really good. Uh, what I would just uh, add to that is a little tip. Uh, uh, try to feel um, your whole body from the soles of your feet, your legs, back, shoulders, head. You can't feel it deep, just get the sense of the whole form. And, and try to sense you experience that. that one area of your body is quite tense, and some parts of your body are not so tense. Is that correct? So you feel, so there's no tension in my legs, my neck is quite tight. And as you contemplate that, is there a place where you know the tense tense area changes into being not tense? So you're tense here, you're not tense there. Where, where's the border? Uh, and Rather than go into the tension, go to the borderline between the tense area and the non-tense area and get there and then just keep widening your awareness to include both sides of the border. So as if you've got tension here, you feel, oh yeah, it stops round about here in my chest. And from there I can fence underneath it, my belly, my legs, feet, and just keep the whole thing in mind and just keep breathing or aware of your energy moving through all that. So the, the reflex of the body is to isolate pain. The reflex of the body is to tighten up around pain, to stop it you know, get, causing more damage. So the training is to include the pain. So you want to encourage your awareness to cause, bring the whole body into mind as if you want the pain to travel through your entire body. As, you want to, as if you want that pain to come down your neck and fill your entire body. Of course it won't. What it would tend to do is it will start to move and it will probably find somewhere else in your body there's something else that's also holding on. And that will relax. And then that thing in your neck will drop. I find it hard uh, because I try tried it. Uh, I didn't do it with the body, but I, I tried to feel the body or mm. put attention down to the belly or to the legs. And it seems like it holds my attention. It's like I'm trying to stretch it, but I always try to go back uh, because it's a kind of strong feeling or it seems like conscious just... Uh, Staying here, and I try to push it, but there is some resistance mm -hmm. for it, for for taking attention from from the head. From mm -hmm. What's it want to do? What does it want to do? J just go back and stuck there. <laughs> well, does it want to push your head off or what? <laughs> Where does it want to go? It, it uh, there is no flow, so it just stuck like a stone and. Huh? It, it just stuck, just stand there with no flow. So energy is not flowing, no just flowing, yeah. tensed. 
and mm -hmm. rigid and don't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, just uh, breathe through it, send energy through it, encourage it, talk to it. Um, who knows what its, what its message is. But uh, it'd be good to befriend it. And as you like, almost see it as a little creature living there who you have to tease out with a lettuce leaf or something. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, second question do we have time for second question? Second question, yeah. Um, about this non doing and uh, choices in the life. Uh, because sometimes, uh, for example, I know this is the right path, but uh, I feel that I have to push myself to do it, and uh, probably because of attachments or something. And uh, uh, sometimes uh, when we ripen up, right decisions or right action just happens because we don't see, for example, any interest in something wrong we did before, and naturally we don't do it anymore. Uh, and sometimes we see that uh, we can make some step, but it uh, takes... Uh, <coughs> it's, it's hard to, to make it. There is something uh, not ripe yet. And uh, the question is, should we make these kind of steps if we know it's, it's right, or should we wait till it's ripe? <laughs> Make the kind of steps. Could you help me with that? What do uh, you mean by that? For example, you talked about uh, relations that uh, your relation should be supportive. It should be kalyana mita, and uh, uh -huh. it, it should be not only about uh, safety and so on. It also should be about growing on the way. And uh, if, for example, you see that your uh, uh, people who you are associating with is is not really helpful on the way you should find another change your place or something yeah so you should make the step even if you feel like it well yeah it's only so much effort you can make because you can't conjure people out of thin air but uh, there, there's those are valuable it's worth traveling it's worth uh, um, it's worth looking around for And uh, yeah, just it is important. It is helpful. So there's the role of chanda, interest, motivation, a sense of eagerness to uh, establish the proper, not just the foundation, but the proper um, encouragements for practice. Because in, if you're living in lay life, there's a lot of influences encouraging you not to practice. <laughs> You're not neutral territory, you're in delusion headquarters. <laughs> so you need to have some people on your side, you know. And if it just means making a phone call or Skype or visit someone once a month or something, it don't have to be living together, you know, but to check in. Um, just helps you to uh, get keep getting your, your alignment, your affinities, your loyalties correct, you know. Well, that's really important for you. And get interested. Stay interested in where you, who you are, who you seem to be. Inquire into it. 
a lot of our life is just, you know, is monks. It's not, you know, zapping into Nibbana all the time. or We're just kind of puddling away, trying to get on a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, just cleaning the place up. It's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's very mundane in many ways. Um, so, and then you know, there we go. So it's about Nibbana anyway, just shoveling, sweeping up the hallway, just putting out Nibbana, uh, just doing the dishes, you know. <laughs> but there, there's the appearance of it. And, uh, you know, you kind of get interested in uh, the mind, it's, 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 it's um, indifference, it's laziness, it's uh, habits, it's moods. Who is this? Because that's the that's the problem with the mind is we we it's not easy to differentiate to step back from it involves us we feel we're in this mental scenario and it becomes real and it's it's fantasy <laughs> mostly it's just moods and impressions and attitudes and hopes and assumptions you know we assume it'll be tomorrow. Everybody assumes there'll be tomorrow. For many people, there won't be. But we all live as if there's going to be tomorrow. That's an assumption. We imagine as yesterday. What was that? We imagine we're a person. Who's that? We imagine other people. Who are they? We imagine what other people think of us. We imagine we can create, the mind creates everything. You know, and they just cruise along in it. <laughs> Who's this? You know, so um, very helpful just to, to deliberately pause as if you're about to die and do it like several times a day, just for 10 seconds, just as you're about to die. This is it. <laughs> stop. You just see what, what, your, what, what your momentum is. What, you're, what, what show you're playing, what theater you're in. Crazy, you know? All this stuff, and you stop. And it gives you some sense of, well, because in all that, in all that seeming ordinary stuff, there is, there, there's the hidden in all that, there are the qualities of delusion, of fascination, of, of ill will, of inferred ill will, of fear. There's a lot in that that we don't see because it's all covered over with this clothing we call the real world. And it's just it's just the clothing. It's just a mask. You know? It's just it's just you know, like they said in Midsummer Night's Dream, we're the stuff that dreams are made of. Yeah. Where are you going? Who's here? What's important now? Wake up. Thank you. Uh, oh. <laughs> Good way to stop, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>